Abdul Amin was a 19-year-old Rohingya Muslim in the village of Indin who lived with his parents and his brother. One night in late 2017, when his family was hiding in the forest, scared by the Burmese military, army officers found them, cowering in fear. Mistaking Abdul Amin for a woman under his mother's scarf, they took away his brother, Shakir Ahmed. His family waited for days for his brother to return, but eventually they had to flee. His brother never returned. Hi there, welcome to Veritas Populi. In this episode, we will be covering the Rohingya genocide in Myanmar. We will look at the conditions leading to the genocide, the effect of the genocide in Burmese polity, both domestic and international, what the international community did, and the challenges faced by the Rohingyas even today. The Rohingyas are termed as the most persecuted minority in the world, according to the United Nations. So what are the Rohingyas? The Rohingyas consist of a large number of Muslims who came in the 15th century to the Arakan state kingdom of Myanmar. However, this term has also come to encompass migrants from Bengal, including Bangladesh, in the 18th and 19th century, to British Burma. When the British were fighting World War I and World War II, they promised the Rohingya Muslims a separate autonomous state if they helped Britain win the war. UK did not hold good on these promises. And thus, the Rohingyas had to share a country with the Burmese, increasing a feeling of resentment. In 1962, the Rohingya became victims of a state-sponsored persecution. In fact, ever since then, it has been tradition for the Myanmar state to not even recognize the term Rohingya as an ethnicity. They carried out Operations King Dragon and Operation Clean and Beautiful Nation to try and exterminate the Rohingyas. They have been accused of heinous crimes like rape, massacre, mass arrests, and even the leveling of towns and villages. By the 1982 citizenship laws, Rohingyas were prevented and excluded from becoming Burmese citizens. They were considered and ranked with illegal immigrants. Most Rohingyas can't move freely outside the Rakhine state which is where most Rohingyas in Burma live, and birth control and marriages in this area are closely supervised. But you might ask, with so much persecution, there must be some resistance. And yes, indeed, a lot of resistance and rebellion took place. However, all of this was quelled by the Buddhist monks and the Burmese military, which was far superior to any resistance which could be put up by the Rohingya. Finally, in 2016, the Haraka al-Yakin, or as it is now called, the Arakan Rohingya Salvation Army was formed. It attacked Burmese military outposts and the Mongdao Township. This was the first step towards the realization of a Rohingya rebellion. The effects backfired. Between 2016 and 2017, military crackdown and persecution took place in Myanmar. It was the beginning of a more systemic form of genocide. And sexual violence dominated this crackdown. Many of you may have already spotted the pattern in genocides to use sexual violence as a weapon of war. Rape is often a weapon without consequence for those without conscience. But then, in late 2017, began with the world terms of genocide. So what happened? How did it affect the lives of the Rohingyas? And most of all, how did yet another Nobel Peace Prize laureate 
Aung San Suu Kyi commit genocide. It all began when the ARSA attacked many other outposts in 2017, both in retaliation and self-defense. This caused another out-of-proportion response by the Burmese army. All sanctioned by the silence of the state chancellor and de facto head of the government, Aung San Suu Kyi, a Nobel Peace Prize awardee herself. In fact, it is almost as if the army was just looking for a justification of genocide. Genocide is never justified. The loss of one life doesn't warrant the loss of another. So massacres ranked throughout the country. In Mongnao, August 2017, troops prepared for a month. Villagers had to be lined up and killed. Women were stripped in search for valuables and looted. And sexual abuse took place. And this happened in so many villages. Rohingya women, girls as young as seven, were tied to trees by their hands and hair. And then mass gang rape by soldiers. Whole villages were burnt and raised in a common site. So what did the Rohingya do? How did they react? Well, they fled. And this caused the world's largest refugee crisis since the Vietnam War, making Bangladesh the choice of their fleeing township, the world's largest refugee camp. Others also went to India, Thailand, Malaysia and other Southeast Asian nations. But all of these nations spurned the Rohingyas as well. In Bangladesh, currently there are more than 900,000 refugees. With all of these atrocities being committed, the international community had to react. They took action. And a current ongoing case against Myanmar in the International Court of Justice was filed by Gambia. Myanmar has been ordered to report on acts of war crime and genocide. The ruling is set to be in the favour of the Gambia as of yet. However, it was criticised for only restating the Genocide Convention and not taking any major steps. The international reaction to both the genocide with this court case and the succeeding refugee crisis have been strong. Most countries with an Islamic majority population have labelled the atrocities committed against the Rohingyas as genocide, ethnic purification or ethnic cleansing. Some, like the United States of America, France and the United Kingdom, have strongly condemned the ethnic violence in the region. They have even provided funds for alleviating the same, ranging in millions of dollars periodically. Countries like Latvia, Brazil and Denmark have chosen to remain more or less neutral and call for inquiries and supporting action taken by international bodies. There are still some countries which have backed Myanmar. India, Russia and China are foremost, condemning the ARSA raids. Non-state actors like the World Jewish Congress, the European Union, Tibet, etc. have also condemned the violence. But even now, the Rohingya question lies unsolved. As can be said with Kashmir, everyone wants the Rohingya land, but nobody wants the Rohingya. Today, we find that the Rohingya are in no better situation than they were a few years before. According to the Human Rights Watch, more than 130,000 Rohingya Muslims have been placed under interment in open-air prisons. Although Myanmar declared that they would close the camps, the HRW finds that most of these prisons have not closed. There is no freedom whatsoever and a pervasive sense of hopelessness dogs the Rohingyas. They can't even refer to themselves as Rohingya in these camps. Torture is rampant in these areas. And yet, we did not know about these atrocities until late 2020 when two soldiers escaped Myanmar and confessed to participating in genocidal crimes. 
Myo Win Tun and Zhao Nang Tun. They said they were specifically ordered to kill everyone they saw, whether child or adult. Currently, they are in the custody of the International Criminal Court. And this is the first perpetrator account of the Rohingya genocide. However, it is not only Myanmar who tries to systematically commit war crimes against the Rohingya. The problem seems to have spread and influenced Bangladesh as well. Bangladesh, however, is mainly frustrated because of the lack of support from Myanmar on the issues of the border and the refugees. In all this, all of us must remember that violence will not solve any conflict. And this must be something we must inform those who try to get radicalized and join groups operating within Myanmar. We must note that we must change how we think. We have to realize that the people of Burma and the people of Rohingya lands are essentially the same. So what can we do? Support organizations such as the UNHCR, ICRC and other organizations which provide the Rohingya with basic amenities such as food, education, shelter, health facilities, etc. We must support democratic movements taking place inside Myanmar as they will inevitably help better the situation of the Rohingya. There is no time to lose. Support us at Veritas Populi in spreading the facts, the flip side and the face of things by liking and following our podcast. Share it with your friends and family and spread the truth because the truth belongs to the people. Thank you.